I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Liz Clayman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, November 23rd, 2020. I'm Trey Ingst. COVID-19 vaccine distribution is expected to begin in the coming weeks as countries plan who will get the first shots. If an average dose of the COVID-19 costs about $30 per person, most of the developing countries cannot afford them. The question rises, who are going to be responsible for them? Is it the moral obligation of the developed countries, the more richer uh, countries in the world, or are they need to first take care of their own people and they decide? This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. New data released today indicates the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine is up to 90% effective. This vaccine joins Moderna and Pfizer in releasing promising results this month. The Moderna vaccine will reportedly cost between $25 and $37, while the AstraZeneca vaccine could be as little as $3. Pfizer sits in the middle at an estimated $20 per vaccine. Given the differences in makeup and storage needs, there are new questions about who will get the immunity-inducing drugs first. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest information on the spread of the virus, as well as an update on stories you might have missed over the past week. We got some very exciting news from AstraZeneca joining Pfizer and Moderna. Um, their trial have been declared 90% effective with no apparent side effects. This is Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. This is also good news because their vaccine is easier to distribute and keep since it's kept in refrigerators, just like the ones we have at home, and not the ones like Pfizer and Moderna, which need special um, cooling containers, sometimes reaching minus 70 Celsius degrees. Um, this is very good news um, for the people of the world, mainly the Western and the richer world. We have learned over the weekend that during the G20 summit, there is a big concern about the fate of the poorer countries. Um, the leaders have said that they will spare no efforts to ensure an affordable access for the vaccine, but it does not mention how exactly they will do it. Um, there is the COVID, COVAX initiative headed by the WHO. However, they're said to be distributing 2 billion doses of vaccine, where we sometimes need at least two doses for a person. And we there are more than 3.6 billion people, excluding China, in the list of countries that were asking for international help. So the world should act immediately if we want to ban this epidemic from the world. And I think it's interesting when you dive down into the delivery methods of these vaccines, because when you need specialized freezers for two of the leading vaccines in order to get that vaccine to the people, it's going to be extremely difficult in a place like Sub-Saharan Africa that isn't equipped with these types of freezers to use those vaccines, even if they're readily available. So they're going to have to shift to some of these other alternatives, but then you run into a lot of other issues, whether it's supply chain or just access to specific company vaccines. Exactly. Um, it's been a long-standing issue with vaccines, not only regarding to COVID, but also malaria, polio, and other um, diseases that we've seen throughout the history. Whenever we talk about developing countries, the access to the remote regions is very difficult, very 
few limited numbers of um, healthcare providers in the remote places and the there's no access and sometimes we also talk about money um, for example if an average dose of the covid 19 cost about 30 dollars per person most of the developing countries cannot afford them and so the question rises who are going to be responsible for them is it the moral obligation of the developing the deve developed countries the more richer uh, countries in the world or are they need to first take care of their own people and they decide but because we've seen that everything is connected uh, we just cannot uh, dis you know disregard what's going on in other parts of the world uh, the next topic has to do with afghanistan there were some big developments this weekend in doha qatar with U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo meeting with not only Taliban negotiators, but also representatives from the Afghan government to try to hammer out the details of a peace agreement. Previous administrations have said, we are not negotiating with the Taliban. The Trump administration has stepped forward to try to cut a deal, but we've got U.S. troop withdrawal, rocket attacks, a number of other factors that are playing into this story. What do we know? So as you mentioned, yes, uh, we are nearing the mid-January 2021. That is the deadline that the administration said that they will be pulling out um, troops from Afghanistan, um, leaving only 2,500 soldiers there. Um, so the deadline, this deadline is looming. And uh, over the weekend, just as the Secretary Pompeo was meeting with the, the Taliban representative in Doha, there are several attacks in Kabul, the capital of, of, of Afghanistan. Uh, 23 mortar shells were fired in different locations uh, throughout the city. One rocket hit the Iranian embassy. ISIS claimed they were targeting also um, the green zones. Um, eight people have been killed, 31 have been wounded. Um, we have seen throughout this week um, calls from former diplomats, and today the UN is releasing a report saying that since 2005, more than 26,000 children have lost their life in the Afghan war. And the international community is concerned that once the American forces will be out of Afghanistan, the country and the population will be lost, and they're not putting as much hope into the peace agreement, as the U.S. administration puts it. Um, at the end of November, there is a donor meeting um, in, um, that will discuss um, in Geneva, that will discuss the Afghanistan. And the U.N. Secretary General is urging people and international organization not to abandon the people of Afghanistan and mainly not the children of Afghanistan who are really, truly deserve uh, a peace and prosperity. You've been listening to You're Not Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. We'll be right back. Oftentimes people talk about this generational war and how Americans have children who also fought in Afghanistan. And it's the same for the Afghan people, civilians who are adults who know nothing but war with a U.S. force on the ground there trying to maintain some sort of order, though we know the Taliban controls large parts of the country, so it makes it extremely difficult. Civilians caught in the crossfires is a topic we're covering often, and I guess that can bring us to our last topic today, and that is the thousands of civilians that are fleeing 
a civil war that is erupting in Ethiopia. Tonight is an interesting time to be covering this story simply because it's on the brink of a possibly major development that could alter the entire course of the Tigray region in northern Ethiopia and the direction that this war heads. Yes, we are nearing a deadline um, that was set by the Ethiopian Prime Minister yesterday for the Tigray forces. He gave them 72 hours to surrender before he, he and his army will um, strike um, and launch an offensive on the capital. From what we understand, according to some of the reports, the army have already started circling the Mikele town. They're about 30 miles away, and the deadline is uh, ending tomorrow. We are recording it as things uh, move forward. Um, some of the army, army commanders have warned that they will have no mercy once the deadline ends. Uh, we have seen reports, mostly by international organizations, of thousands of people that have been killed since the violence broke three weeks ago. And more than 36,000 people have already fled to the neighboring country of Sudan. Last time when we talked, we estimated, according to international organization, that the number will reach 25,000 refugees. However, we're looking at much larger, much larger numbers right now. Um, an American organization called Refugee International and other organizations war of the humanitarian crisis that is looming. Before this conflict began, um, the region, the sub-Saharan region was hosting 96,000 refugees and more than 100,000 internally displaced. This is growing every day. Uh, most of them are suffering from poverty and malnutrition. Over the weekend, a Sky News um, crew have visited a clinic, a Red Cross clinic in Sudan, when the refugees were fleeing to. And they have showed horrific um, pictures of men and teenage boys suffering cuts in their hands, in their limbs and their chest, mostly caused by machetes. And the doctor say, there said that the wounds show hatred, extreme and absolute insanity and hatred. They're targeting specifically the Tigray people, men and teenage boys. We've seen similar things like this in previous conflicts in Africa. One of them is Rwanda back in the civil war when the army was targeting specific populations group. Back then, it escalated to a genocide, one of the gravest one in the history of Africa and the world. So I truly, truly hope that somehow the international community will step in and, and stop the escalation and this horrific violence that we're facing. We covered this a little bit last week, speaking with a senior fellow from the U.S. Institute of Peace and just talking about the difficulties of this conflict and how it could evolve into a much larger regional conflict. Some of the numbers of civilians that could flee and be displaced are upwards of 200,000. And it's really incredible to think about that many people 
moving in a short amount of time. A lot of heavy topics this week, but I do want to get to our good news story of the week that has to do with Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. We're talking about Liz Pierce. She's a communication professor from the University of Iowa. Um, last week, she sent out an email to her students saying that if they feel homesick because they can't travel back home to Thanksgiving, she and her family would love to cook them some homemade food for Thanksgiving and deliver it. One of her students, Leah Blask, got the email and shared it to Twitter, writing, my professor is absolutely too pure for this world. The tweet captured the heart of many people and became viral. And so many other people have joined Professor Pierce and offering their help to cook for the students who are staying. On the menu, if you're interested, is turkey peas, mashed potatoes, and uh, traditional apple pie. There are also vegan options because one of the younger children are vegan. And I think there's no better way to celebrate Thanksgiving that's coming up this Thursday with such an act of pure kindness and a glimmer of hope and humanity. So happy Thanksgiving. That's a great story. And hopefully others will take a page out of this professor's book because the recommendations now are to stay home for Thanksgiving and see your family over Zoom, social distance and wear a mask. You're not freeling a senior Fox News field producer joining us today on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. You're not, thanks for your time. Thanks, Ray. See you next week. been listening to the fox news rundown Rundown. stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com and for up to the minute news go to foxnews.com starting june 10th the fox true crime podcast presents the crimes of oj simpson 30 years later there are so many tentacles to this story it's truly hard to put it all into a nutshell emily campagno takes you inside the crime scene and inside the courtroom bringing you an inside look into the murders of nicole brown simpson and ron goldman if this trial occurred today there would not be an acquittal available on apple spotify and foxnewspodcast.com 